I would like to welcome everybody to the Chilling with Dylan podcast. Today's guest is a two-time challenge champion, originally from the rural world of Brooklyn. It is Sarah Rice. We have a very serious conversation about how reality TV plays a role with mental health. We dive into her time on the show and more. Enjoy. All right. So the next guest on the Chilling with Dylan podcast is a two-time challenge champion. She's originally from the rural world of Brooklyn, um, and she was last seen on Rivals 3. Please welcome Sarah Rice. Sarah, how are you doing? Hello there. I'm doing real well. How are you? Good. Thanks. So I always start off all my podcasts just with a how are you doing? 2020 was really rough. 2021 has kind of been better. We're still going through everything. So how are you doing? How's everything? How's life going? Life is really good for me, I got to say. I'm like in a really good place. I feel like, uh, you know, 2020 was a really difficult year. And especially, you know, I'm a therapist and it was my very first year in like my own, well, not my own practice, working in, you know, the practice out there in the world. And that was a lot to handle, but it was kind of like one of those sink or swim situations where the uh, ways that I learned to cope and manage through the pandemic have really helped me, I don't know, kind of thrive in my own personal life now. And I feel awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like 2020, if you're starting a new job was hard, but I bet it would be even harder being a therapist trying to help people through a time where nobody really knows what's happening. That was, yeah. And it was hard to give advice, uh, you know, of how to, to cope in a situation that I'm myself trying to cope in. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like learning together and yeah, you know, we're still kind of in it in a way. Yeah. So ongoing. Yep. Um, so I want to start all the way back and then move our way up through the timeline. Um, so I just want to go back to the rural world of Brooklyn. And a lot of people are interested in casting stories, especially from the rural worlds, because it's, or it was like the original reality show, to be honest. Now we have all these different ones with romance and, but the rural world was something special. So if you could just talk about your casting story for the rural worlds, how many years did you try out? Was it a one and done type of situation? Yes. Yeah, it was a one and done for me. Um, you know, I feel almost like I, well, first I'll tell you this part. So I was living in San Francisco at the time and I was driving in the car with my roommate and uh, a ad came on the radio that said like, do you have what it takes? Do you want to live in a house with seven strangers and blah, 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 blah. Come down to wherever the heck it was. I think it was on Sutter street. I kind of remember that being in my mind um, at this club and come down on this weekend. And we're holding open, like open auditions or open casting call. And my roommate was like, we should totally go to that. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And, and he finally convinced me and we had nothing to do. And so we decided to go on the very last day of um, the auditions on Sunday. And he ended up getting pink eye or some sort of eye infection. So he was like, I don't want to go, but you should still go. And I'm, like, I'm not going to this stupid thing. And he, I said, he, so he drove me there mm -hmm. and um and uh, luckily I did not catch big guy from him. <laughs> he drove me there and I was like, okay, if there's a line, I'm not going. But if there's no line, it's not like waiting lines. If there's no line, okay, I'll do it. So there was lucky for me, there was no line. And I went in and they handed, the first thing they did was handed me a packet to fill out of a bunch of different questions. And I remember uh, sitting next to people who are also filling out their packets and I could overhear the conversations they were having. 
And people were saying things like, oh, I'm going to say that like, oh, I do this crazy stuff. And like, I'm going to tell them that like, you know, I'm kind of like that puck guy. And it seemed like everybody was trying to be something that they weren't. Mm -hmm. And I just remember having this moment of thinking to myself, well, I'm just going to be me. They're probably not going to want that because I've never seen somebody on the show who has tattoos. I've never seen somebody on the show who looks like me. It was like all tatted up and pierced it up. And I had like jet black hair and my, I had like everything, my face pierced then. And, you know, I just felt like there was not me represented on that show. And so, you know, long shot, little did I know that's exactly what they guess you cast on the show. So went to the open, went to that, you know, did that. And they read over, um, you know, I don't know which happens first. They read it over. They, they put you into little groups and you go to a, um, like a, a group casting where they ask you questions. And it, like, there's probably like 10 people you're sitting in a circle and there's a casting director who's kind of guiding it. And I did what I always do. And like, you know, the future therapist to me, I took over the question asking in that circle. I was like, oh my God, that is so interesting. Tell me more. And just like wanted and genuinely wanted to hear the people's stories. I was just like fascinated. And I think that might've been what did it for them as far as what caught, like what they saw in me that they said, okay, well that could be good. Cause we need somebody to like ask questions and like basically be the interviewer of these people like kind of like the in-house therapist, which is the role I played for freaking ever, probably still would on there and do in my real life. And, um, but I will say that I, I feel like I had like a cheat sheet or I feel like in a way, I mean, it was fair, but I, I was going in with some information that other people maybe weren't as equipped with. Both my parents were in the film industry and I grew up in the film industry. So I, and I was a kid actor, like not actor, like I was just in commercials and stuff when I was little because my parents were in the industry and it was like convenient. Yeah, I'll like just bring her along and, you know, yeah. pay for college maybe. And so I did commercials when I was a kid and I had done, gone into casting calls before. And I had also, I had also worked with my mom. She, my mom was a wardrobe stylist and I worked with my mom really closely with you know, casting directors or like they, you know, everybody just kind of hangs out. And so you hear like what they're looking for. You kind of know what people are into, you know, they want somebody who's gregarious and over the top, but also knows how to like rein it in. And so I felt like I just gave them what I thought a casting director would want, especially in, in like the interviews. Mm -hmm. And here we are, it worked. <laughs> and so I think it was Frank did an interview a couple months ago and said once he interviewed, he knew he was he was on. They, he just knew he that they loved him. Did you have that same feeling? Did you know the casting producers like loved you, or were you kind of nervous about not getting? getting no, I knew that I felt the same as Frank. I knew. I think I knew as soon as they pulled me. Just the way, yeah, I knew. I was like, mm, this is, and I think I know myself and know that, like, it's okay to admit that you know you're something interesting and like yeah. I think it's it's this is who I am and they saw that and I was authentically myself and I bet Frank was authentically his self and mm -hmm. that uh, himself and that's why you know he can say that with confidence and I feel like that's why I can too. So I want to talk about Brooklyn because I believe you're from San Francisco right like you're from the California. They said I'm from San Francisco I am not from San Francisco oh. I happen to have been living in, in San Francisco at the time but I am born and raised in Los Angeles. 
Okay, yeah. So yeah, all I'm the- I'm from LA. Okay, so still California. I wanna know what were your thoughts on going across the country to Brooklyn? Was that a city- I loved you- it. I'd already lived in England. Oh, wow. I had already like, I, I, when I was 17, I did, I studied abroad in England. Like, you know, I spent my 18th birthday by myself in Greece. I was not shy mm-hmm. of traveling by myself or doing this and like, no, no problem. Did you want a warmer climate like a Miami or something? Or were you fine with the cold in Brooklyn? And it is the biggest city. It wasn't cold. It was hot. We were there during, we were there in the summer. So we got okay. there probably in like June, I think, or July, September, October. Yeah. We were there for Halloween. And then we left right after Halloween, right before Thanksgiving. So the whole time it was really warm and it was nice. And I, you know, I'd been to New York a few times and it, I was like, I was like super uh, excited about Brooklyn just being, you know, LA is LA and New York is yeah. New York. They're very yeah. different. And uh-huh. so it was exciting to me to kind of, you know, get, I wasn't picky, you know, I wasn't yeah. like, oh, I want to be, I want to be, uh. no. The only thing that, that, that I was a little jealous of was when I found out that when they told us that the next season was Cancun and I was like, what? And also our vacation we went on, we went to freaking Jersey or Atlantic City. We went to Atlantic City on a vacation on the real world. That ain't a vacation. I lost four hundred dollars. Yeah, that was a vacation. There's nothing relaxing about that trip. Yeah. So I felt like a little uh, cheated in my vacation, but they've yeah. since made up for it in the challenges that I've been yeah. on in the places I got to. Yeah, go. I think the, I think real world Philly would land, and I think they went to Fiji. So they got yeah. they, they go <laughs> you go to Atlantic City. Atlantic City, where I lose money gambling. Come on, I can't. Um, I want to get into your cast a little bit. I think it's one of the more interesting casts we've ever had. Um, with all of you kind of going into successful fields, you being a therapist, Devin is still doing hosting. Um, but I want to get into your first impressions of your fellow cast. So mm-hmm. if I can just give you a name and just tell me what the first thing you ha- thought of them was. Um, I want to start with Chet. Mm-hmm. First impression. Uh, I, I was thinking maybe Chet was still in the process of getting to know himself and maybe um i you know it like it was interesting what did i think i'm trying to think back to what my first impression was if this was the first impression i had i think i was probably a bit um hesitant to open up to him because of experience just I was thinking that you know with his religious background that he would be judgmental or he would be you know opinionated which you know he is now about a lot of things and but on the show he was you know for the most part Mm open-minded um the next one I have is Devin what was your first impression of Devin uh Devin always made me feel like um uh like she's a woman and I'm a little girl. Like she, like, you know, like she just is so put together and she like looks so beautiful and glamorous and like nine times out of 10, I'm wearing overalls, which happened to be like what I'm wearing today. So it felt like, like, oh my God, this is like a woman and she's yeah. like beautiful. And I, I want to be more like that. And like, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, JD. JD was a lot of energy, but I also felt like he was somebody that like, you know, I had uh, previously only dated women until like when I was on there and I had a boyfriend when I was on the show, but um, he felt kind of like my gay ally on, on there and he was the first person I met. So um, it felt 
comfortable. And, you know, it was nice to, usually I'm the loudest one in a group and it was nice to have somebody else who kind of took that spot. Cause like, he's like yeah. that. He has a lot um, of energy and I love it. And the last one I'm going to do is Caitlin. What was your first impression of Caitlin? Oh, I loved Kate. I still love Caitlin. So smart. I just thought this is somebody who I want to have long conversations with. And we did. I mean, we were talking, I think the first night about like quantum physics and shit. Uh-huh. It was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, so I want to get into more after Brooklyn. Who do you still keep in touch with? Um, are you all on good terms? Just what's your relationship now that it's been 11, 10, 11 years, however long it's been? You know, we reach out to each other at, 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 different times i'm close with Bea. Bea and i when she and i hang out and we see each other uh, which is not as often as i like but you know life probably once every year or two years or so and we we pick up right where we left off we could be like you'd think we were roommates today we are like that when we talk and i just have like such a like spot in my heart for her i love her to death and um recently when uh when biden won the election we kind of all reconnected, well, at least the people who shared the same political ideas, um, all reconnected in a group chat, like Ryan sent a message out and was like, remember when Obama won, these are similar feelings, you know, we were just so excited. And, um, you know, just to have some like, change in the political uh, climate. And um, it felt really good, because it felt like talking to people as adults, not as like the people that we were on the show. And I think if you got us all together now, we would, it would, we would be able to like, can't speak for everyone, but like get along and have a good time and connect on the things that we have in common and um, respect each other for the things that we have that are different. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what I want to go into next. So Paramount Plus launched Real World Homecoming New York with Heather B and Julie and all the first season Real Worlders. Would you be interested in a Real World Homecoming Brooklyn with your fellow cast for like a month or a couple of weeks or however long? I'm not interested in participating in reality television at all anymore because I don't feel like it's a healthy place. I think it's a very toxic environment that does not show the full story of the human experience. And, you know, of course, every reality show is different, but I think when you leave your, your, when you leave the human condition and, the, and your experience as a person in the hands of editors that don't have your best interest in mind, but instead have the interest of the show in mind, that that could come with really damaging effects. And I also think that the uh, way that the cat, the audience responds and the, the um, access they have to you or to anybody after being on reality shows can be very invasive and can be difficult to emotionally deal with. And I, in my therapy practice, specialize in, 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 um, you know, focused on working with people who have been on reality television. So it would be very hypocritical of me and uh, uh, not ethical, I feel like, for me to be simultaneously helping people transition through the process of returning back to a normal life after appearing on reality television, and then being like, bye, I'm gonna go on reality television, so. So just to follow up with that, obviously I'm not as knowledgeable as you on this subject, but do you think- Well, I, I do have a master's degree. Yeah. So unless you have, well, I, I, thank you for not mansplaining me the thing I have a master's degree in, <laughs> sir. Um, do you think there's a way to fix it at all? Like, I don't know, I'm just- um, keeping to be perfectly honest, no. I don't think there's a way to fix it. I don't think, um, 
you know, what I heavily studied that when I was in my grad program and the uh, research project that I did was on the uh, psychological effects of reality television on the participants. There's mm -hmm. very limited research on this. And the only thing that I did find was a study that was done in, I believe, Scandinavia um, or no, Sweden, excuse me. And um, it was looked at from the, uh, an ethical perspective. So it was with media ethics that the study was done and they determined that it was unethical to be putting people through this. It really is, you know, an empty, and, and I feel like the, the production company and, you know, MTV for a long time have, have pitched it as this experiment. Mm -hmm. This here, we're putting people through this experiment. As somebody who is a researcher and an academic, like there are important uh, uh, things that you need to do, thing for lack of a better word, that you need to do uh, when conducting an experiment. And part of that is making sure that the participants are well informed. And yes, we have those contracts. And another part is the debriefing afterwards. And so making sure that they can, they really understand what this was and then transitioning back into regular life. And I just don't feel like um, ethically they are holding up their end of the deal as far as if you're going to say that you're conducting experiments, you're not following the protocol with doing that, which is debriefing. Um, your participants afterwards. Mm -hmm. And just one last follow-up question about this topic. You, uh, I think you mentioned like the fan reaction and you were on reality TV, I believe it was like 2008, 2009, 2016 um, with your last one on Rivals 3. Did you notice any difference in how the fans reacted from your beginning of your time to the end of your time as social media kind of gained popularity or was it kind of the same throughout? It was the same throughout. Uh, I just think that was the quantity, the, you know, how many voices there were. And anybody who's experienced hurtful or, or, or mean comments, just as a regular human, you know, anybody who's had somebody leave a me nasty message on your Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is, even if you have a hundred other great ones that will like live in your little heart space for a while, it, is um, it has an effect. Mm -hmm. So I think it is undeniable the effect that those kind of uh, comments, you know, people can give from their the safety of their bedroom or living room or whatever behind a screen where it's very anonymous. And you know, it it I watch people on the show really struggle with their own mental health and especially with identity. I see identity issues all over the place. And I really do feel like this is maybe not the cause, but it is a catalyst or it is something that exacerbates pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. Well said, I think, yeah, I think some of the fans just take it a little too far. Um, sometimes I scroll through specifically Fessy this season and Josh's Instagram and it's just all hate. Like that's all it is, it's just hate. Hard. That would be, yeah that would be awful to deal with and it's one thing if you sign up if you know what you like if you're fine with it and you're like yes this is what comes with it i see that i'm gonna keep going back on there but i think there's a cycle that people get caught in where appearing on the show gives them a sense of validation and gives them a sense of fulfillment as it would anybody because it feels good and we can't even deny that that is that there's nothing wrong with it feeling good and that 
boosts you up. And then there's this period of almost depression, we can call it, when you get off the show, where you feel like very detached from family and friends and cut off. And you know, you're, you have to keep all these secrets because you can't tell people what happened. And mm -hmm. it feels very isolating and nobody else can really share in this experience except people who have been on there, a whole thing. And um, yeah, so I just see, um, I, I, if you can handle all that and, and you, you know what you're signing up for, then yeah, sure. But I think that, that people, when they get caught in that cycle have a hard time breaking out of it until something is um, in jeopardy, whether it's another relationship, like they're in a relationship where they say, I don't want you to do another one or you're different or people go on the show and they come back like me, I went on the show and it was not the thing that let me know I needed to get divorced, but it definitely, uh, I think, you know, sometimes reality television, if you are self-aware can help you grow in many ways and can help you see how you respond from like a third person perspective. And, you know, you can adjust behavior. You can look, you know, I saw how I was in fights sometimes or how, you know, it's kind of like a doormat. I'd be like, oh my God, I don't want to be like that. Let me work on that. Let me do some like growth. And anytime we grow, we often out outgrow relationships and outgrow others. So I think it puts a big strain on relationships and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't even remember what the original question was, but. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I want to get into the challenge now. I want to start in your first season, which was the ruins. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of questions I have about this. Um, the first is just the gameplay. And then I want to talk about Susie and your guys' friendship. Um, yes. But gameplay-wise, it was champions versus non-champion season, and you were a rookie. Um, and to be honest, the champions kind of decimated yeah. your it team. Crushed us. It was awful. And I want to ask if I believe it was Brianna was thrown in instead of Casey Cooper in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, if the if you guys thrown in Casey, if the team dynamic would have changed and what went into that decision. Or was it just like the sure. work didn't have the chemistry? I, I think there. I think they were going to win no matter what. We didn't have a plan. I think a lot of us were on the happy to be there train. I know I was. I'm like the freaking conductor of that train. I was just so excited to be on the show. And it I, there was no strategy. It seemed like the other team had a strategy. They were champions. That's how you get to be that because you have good gameplay and strategy. We had none of that. And we were just like, we weren't united. Mm -hmm. as a team yeah and then to go to the final you and kellyanne almost won i know um, i want to just ask like because yeah. with editing like you said if we don't really know the full story how close was that in the well, end if you could just like was there like a 10 15 minutes or like what no you know what 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 happened there was it was probably about a 15 minutes to a half hour because mm -hmm. they we maxed out our time in a puzzle so mm -hmm. they they were able to complete the puzzle and because we maxed out our time we were behind, there was no way after that we were gonna be able to catch up. Mm -hmm. And so we were beating them until that puzzle. And I think that was the one thing that that did us in. And to be honest, when you're that exhausted, when you've you know been like vomiting up gross crap that you were just forced to eat like half an hour ago, and then just like, army crawling through piles of manure and mud under, you know, nets in the middle of the jungle. Like you, the, the, my brain was not 
functioning on all cylinders there. And so I couldn't even see straight. I remember I couldn't even read the sign. I was like, Kellyanne, you have to read this. Yeah. And then we did the puzzle and she looks at me and she's like, you're going to have to do this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go. And so, you know, but there's nobody I would have rather lost to Susie beating me in a puzzle. And I do feel like it's Susie who won, like in my yeah. mind, yep, Susie won that. And, uh, and you know, it's great. And I like, I was super happy with, with second place. And, you know, I feel like anytime I make it to a final, it was, it was a win for me. Yeah. Um, so going into Susie for, I'm sure everybody knows, but if you don't, Sarah and Susie have a podcast called brain candy. They've yes. best friends for years. Um, yes. and I want to just ask, Obviously that friendship started on the challenge, but we saw you guys be close, but I, we didn't see like that close of a bond that you guys had. I um, think they didn't air it. We never left each other's side all day, every day. She was the only one I was hanging out with. And the pre reason why they probably weren't airing, showing it is because she and I were doing crossword puzzles the whole time. So you, you, there are a few scenes where you see there's one of me yelling and I'm like holding a crossword puzzle, like yelling at somebody. So that was it. You, like you'll catch us. The only time you see us is when we're like together, but it was, there were just other storylines and the Sarah Susan friendship storyline wasn't the one that was taking over that season, but it was undeniable that we were, I mean, it was like instant. We were yeah. mm -hmm. so close. And then also with that season, so I had Cyrus on last week, mm -hmm. who was also on that season. And we talked about kind of like Wes being the star of that show. Like in the beginning. He, lo he loves that you called him that. That's his favorite thing. You yeah, I had him on a, uh, really about a couple him. months ago. We talked about it too. I had Wes on. But the editing showed Wes and then the storyline with Kenny and Bananas and that whole thing a lot. Yeah. Do you think that was shown accurately like that was the main story throughout the whole season filming yeah. it okay. yes did cyrus say the same thing yeah cyrus said the same yeah. thing i was just yeah. i was just curious was, absolutely it was okay just saying though there listen <laughs> when when egos and and narcissistic traits are at the forefront and are as as um you know, they're, they're in all of those male contestants and some of the female ones as well, a lot of female ones as well. And you get them competing against each other. It's, it really becomes a, like a one-upping game of who's going to be the loudest, who's going to be, who's going to have the biggest ego. I mean, they don't know they're playing these, this game maybe, but they are. And it just felt like watching them battle it out for who is going to be, I don't know. Yeah. The loudest and the, yeah. and West did not want to lose that game. And then you throw the fee, the, the added component of like, you know, stole your girl kind of thing, or like there's Johanna story in there and there's all that. And like Kenny and that, it just was like, no way that it couldn't be that there was no room for any other storylines because these guys are very used to, I think, being the storyline. So it was only until recently that maybe we've heard some voices from some other people who also have great stories to tell, yeah. you know, women, people of color, other important individuals, yeah, humans. Um, mm -hmm. I want to go off of the ruins for a little bit um, to Cutthroat. So with Cutthroat, it was everybody's, not everybody, but a lot of fans love the theme of three teams, team captain. Yeah, I liked it too. That was great. Uh, that season was you and Laurel, just the female empowerment of you and Laurel. And you guys were on, I think, Rivals together. 
and then you haven't been together unless I'm mistaken to, on another season together. So if you we were on fresh meat together, cutthroat and then rivals, right? Just those yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. So cutthroat, you guys made the final together. If you could just talk about you and Laurel's dynamic mm -hmm. together, when did you guys get so close? Are you still? Well, to be honest, we're not close. We're not. We were close on the television show um, because it felt like that was the person to be you know, I like, I say strong female sees strong female. Mm -hmm. um, but there were things that, that I saw from Laurel that I did not like. I did really, I did not like how she treated Big Easy. I did not like how there were things where behavior that I saw that I was just appalled by. There was one night she came in the room and she would been drinking and, you know, as we all had, and she just picked up the lamp and smashed it on the floor. And I said, I was sleeping. I was like, Laurel, what are you doing? And she was like, I just felt like it. And that to me was, I was like, I don't think this is a safe environment for her. And yeah. I think that, 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 that the challenge environment it's, and I don't want to say it's not fun and it's not like, it's all those things you see, but it's also these other things that you don't see. And there are people who are maybe don't have the coping skills to manage those emotions and manage those high stress situations in a healthy way. And we either see that exploited and played out on television, like, or it is not shown at all because they don't want, they're like trying to, to, um, you know, portray a certain image. And I think that that can be difficult for the people who are experiencing those intense emotions with no support. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask about those situations, obviously with Big Easy was disgusting, but mm -hmm. I do want to ask in the challenge in general, not only but that, how do you think alcohol ties into? It's awful. It's the worst. Ties it's 100%. It's so much of it. Mm -hmm. Do you think? In general. I, have, I, yeah. Have you been to a bar? <laughs> have you been to a, a, a tailgate party? Yeah. You put alcohol, alcohol is, if you ask me, the worst drug the worst thing, not if you ask me, if you ask also, you know, science and what it does to your body and to your brain, it's bad. It yeah. is not good. It inhibits all of your decision-making abilities and the prefrontal cortex to be able to like make good decisions. And then you add on the stress of being in that kind of environment. And then you add on being trapped and not being able to escape. And that feeling of, of your autonomy being taken away. Mm -mm. that's a recipe for disaster. So it's, we get exactly the recipe that they have the recipe. You get the, the, you know, that's the final, that's the, that's the result of that recipe, what you see. And do you think they'll ever take alcohol out of the situation? No, never like, ever. Oh. Their favorite cast member? Why are they firing at the favorite cast member? I just, I wanted to tie it into a show like Survivor, which kind of gets related to the challenge because there's no alcohol in that situation. Right. And Big Brother, they, I heard they give it to them like once a week. Very. Well, yeah, the thing is also that to know with, it's not free flowing all the time. It's very controlled. So it was like, and you go in and you trade a bottle and it's like, we've got a bottle of wine. You need to give us the empty one and then you get the full one. So people aren't binge drinking, you know, they do control it. And it, it's really just certain people who, who maybe have a problem with controlling that, that take it to those extremes. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, on survive, it's like a health hazard. You can't have people yeah. depriving people of nutrients. And then also like they'll die. Like you can't do that. That So in a situation where it's um, our, our health or our, our, 
you know, our physical well-being is at risk. We don't like we're not able to drink when the night before. Or I don't. I think the night before it, we're okay, but the day of the challenge, nobody can drink. You know, certain things when there's like a final, they don't. You know, like we were able to have like a glass of wine or something like that the night before finals or whatever. But it's it's more in the times when you know what I what what I started to see was this like forced. You need to go out to the club and you need to go party. And any, it's like you have these caged animals and then you like take the gate off the cage and you're like, all right, stay right here, be good. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's those kind of times, but it, you know, it makes for great television and people are watching and, and people, mm -hmm. the, you know, viewers seem to like that. And so they're gonna keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Like your, what are your, what are your feelings as somebody who's interviewed a bunch of people on this? What on, do you think on, on, on what you hear from people when you talk about this, like as a viewer, as somebody who's a fan, as somebody who I has think, a about this? I think the challenge has gone to two different stages mm -hmm. where before it was these real people that they, the alcohol, the TV, like you said, really affected them. Um, and I think now the people, they, they don't want the hate, but they want to be famous more. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't mind the alcohol. Why do they want to be famous? Do you feel like somebody who has that big of a desire to be famous through those means is fulfilled in their heart as the person that they are living the life that they're living? No, I, no. No, no. That's not healthy then. That's enough. And, and as a therapist, I, I'll ask people, you know, if we're ever questioning, is this the right thing to keep doing? If you keep doing this exact same thing and don't change, and you did this for the next five to 10 years, would your life be good and improve or would it look worse? That's a really fucking easy question to answer. Yeah. So that is all the information we need. For me yeah i think it's it's definitely takes its toll on people you can tell yeah. um i don't know if you know you remember anastasia she was on the verbal mm -hmm. portland yes um, she was on mike lewis's podcast and just talked about her mental health after the show and the mm -hmm. editing that played a role and yes. how her relationship with ct on rivals 2 like just wasn't it wasn't how it happened and they just completely fixed the narrative yeah this so, is not an isolated incident. Yeah. This is everyone. I happen to luck out where I got the one where Sarah's the um, you know, underdog who's really nice and is a camp counselor and is, you know, friendly. And all that is true. But I also was kind of a bitch sometimes. I treated Siobhan not nice. Maybe, you know, and since I she and I have, have talked so so much about this and and you know, I love her to death and and she's a wonderful human and and I think would have similar things to say about me because now we can like connect as people outside of this um, manufactured environment and that kind of forces th that those things out but i would i'm not i'm a human i also like have bad days i also talk you know say things that are mean sometimes because everyone does mm -hmm. because we're just people and then when those moments um of real humanness are shown they're judged by others and and it's more often than not judged by people who have those qualities in themselves and don't like them yeah
So I don't like this to me. So I'm going to judge the fuck out of somebody else for having this. Let me get on Twitter and let me write them how I don't like. They're all doing the same shit because we're all people. Yeah, so, I want to I want to talk about Siobhan really quick, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, Siobhan, and I think it's still going on with the challenge, but the, I guess, toxic masculinity is the right, the right phrase. Yes. Um, and then going back, so one of my favorite challenges of all time is Evelyn. Um, mm-hmm. And she has her faults like everybody does, but how she was treated on the island, I just thought was very poor um, and poor taste. So if you would just talk about, I guess the editing is at fault for this as well, just how they make the men and Anastasia's tied in the men look good mm-hmm. and some of the- A lot of slut shaming. There's a lot of um, women being uh, the uh, supporting roles, I guess, you know, in, in supporting the plot or the storyline that is the white cisgendered male storyline. And we see women, people of color being these like supporting roles. And that is changing. I do see that changing. I think it took a lot too. I think it was way too, too little, too late. And I think it's because of, of strong people, not the editors. I don't want to give the editors any credit for, um, you know, those changes. I want to give credit to people like Cam and Anissa and, um, oh my God, like you, you name, we could just keep going. Big T. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love big T. So amazing. Yes. Um, so kind of piggybacking off of that, um, back into Laurel, Laurel Mm -hmm. has always been an alpha female, Mm -hmm. um, from the beginning. And obviously, like we said earlier, the big easy thing was disgusting. Um, but in some situations, she has played the villain role necessarily per se. And then it also has happened with Cara Maria as she evolved, she's played the, the woman villain role. Um, I wanted to ask if, and now I'm just gonna, th- let me just think of a male, yeah. like Kyle. If yeah. Kyle acted like Cara or Laurel, how do you think his edit would have looked? Fine, no problem. We'd be great. Be like, yeah, that's cool. They all do that. Mm-hmm. We are not used to seeing it and and, you know, I think the other thing is when they've already portrayed them as one one way, there has to be this like explanation for why. It, oh, look at now we're now it's a different role. Like it must be because you know whatever the heck your brain fills in the blanks to to come up with some storyline. No, they just are showing a more like it's it. And then if you were to to it's so there's so much going on as viewers that you are not consciously aware is contributing to your emotions when you watch the scene. If you, a lot of those episodes, when we first viewed them, like when we would do um, after shows, they would show us them before they were done editing and before they laid the soundtrack on top of it or the, the score. So we would see the, the shows with no music or no background music. None of those scenes look as, as crazy without the ominous music in the background. You play some ominous music as Cara Marie is walking into the kitchen, your brain says, huh, what? you're not aware of this, but our brain automatically does these things. We're picking up the information from our environment through our senses, that's what's going on. It's how the brain works. So we're watching that and you, your brain goes, oh, ominous music, that's, that sounds scary. Wow, that sounds like every other villain I've ever seen in a movie. This woman must be a villain. 
So we, they don't even have to say it. They don't have to say it. They don't even have to show a clip of her doing anything. She could be making a fucking smoothie and you put that music behind, she looks like a villain. I hate that. And, that, and people just need to be aware and they need to be you know, informed consumers of media. And I don't think that we care enough to do that. And it's, you know, in my mind, kind of lazy viewing and which is why, like, I don't even really watch the shows anymore. There are other reality shows that I love. I love the show alone. It's the freaking best ever. Um, I love Survivor's great. You know, I like things that are that, that, you know, there are ones that are good. So I'm not like poo-pooing all reality television, but I'm saying that it is at the end of the day, television, which at the end of the day is, is designed to make money and get advertising. They don't care about the people who are on the, they don't, that is, it's, they can, they can have, you know, that that's not the bottom line is yeah. how is this individual going to manage after we show them in the scene it's oh people are going to love this that that's that's going to wait till we cut to the commercial break they're definitely going to come back for you know whatever yeah um this is obvious going off of that i had car maria on in like march mm -hmm. um one of the nicest challengers i've ever interviewed or met ever she's wonderful uh, i want to ask why do you like why do you think the edit all of a sudden went from this underdog superhero type to this villainess. I honestly, I couldn't answer, answer that and don't know because I'm not, I don't, I'm not well versed in the ins and outs of, of the challenge in those ways anymore. I'm super interested in the individual's experience and getting to talk to them one-on-one -on -one afterwards and help people um, to, you know, move past some of those experiences. But I have, zero opinion or um uh like theory it's the only thing that um you know it's like i don't know who knows why did somebody write this character into this movie i don't know i didn't write it we gotta ask them mm -hmm. there's a lot there are many 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 layers that people don't know and they're not going to know and i think that you know we have to watch these shows you know through that lens of like these are humans mm -hmm. and they are maybe dealing with stuff you know we've seen people who have had you know parents or, or loved ones die while they were there we've had people who come back after divorces or after like major losses or things that have happened in their own life and they in the same way we were talking about um was that fessy or josh or whatever it was before alcohol before mm -hmm. that um uh, that there's can be the cycle that's created. So when people are feeling in a place that's not good, they go, oh, well, you know what made me feel good? That the, the positive, like the attention that I got from the show. So let me, at this time, it's almost like a, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this is as uh, uh, familiar as a phrase or saying with men, if you go through a breakup, don't get bangs. Like whatever you do, if you're a woman, like do not cut bangs. Like you think I need a change and cut bangs. It's, I feel like it's a similar thing of like, I need change in my life. I'll go on the challenge. Nope, go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Your the answers for what is going to make you feel good as a person are not on that show. It's fun if you know what you're getting to. And I hope all of, if you have a good therapist at home and you're like doing the work and you're balancing, um, you know, uh, uh, 
you feel like a balanced person, do your thing. You know, I think yes is a great example of that from the all-star season. I think he did a good, he, because, and I think having a rich identity outside of the challenge and outside of that world um, and being able to separate the two and understand that this is that world. And I, I am loved and accepted for who I am, not in that world, but who I am just as a human that allows for him to thrive on there and allows for him to have that positive experience on there. I do not think that is the, um, I think that's the exception that proves the rule. So, and I think that's not the case with most people. Yeah. I had yes on when the final aired for all-stars, one of the most down to earth guys of all time, like super nice. And the amount of time that he spent off the show, you know, if he continued to do it for 10 years and, you know, like I, I guarantee that would take a toll on his family on his wife, on his children, that would be, you can't, it, it affects you to leave for that many, that long. And, and if you choose to strengthen and I, you have to kind of, you know, who you are and your identity is a, a, we will, we feel the best. And, and when we are living congruently with that, and when we are able to be who we are, in all environments, but if you have to be one version of yourself in one environment and a different version in another, that causes internal conflict that absolutely plays out symptomatically in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanna get into some more of the gameplay. Um, yes. And I guess this still involves the editing part, but Rivals, you were with Caitlin and Rivals 2, you were with Trishel. Mm-hmm. I wanna just ask, cause a lot of people wonder about these rivalries. Like if you know you're gonna be on Rivals going into it, um, but more specifically, were you and Caitlin not on speaking terms going in or were you like close and they just kind of like portrayed it as a rivalry? That that kind of black and white thinking of like we were either super close or we were not on speaking terms. There's an in-between. Mm-hmm. There, She was a person I did a show with who I was acquainted with. And that's it. That like... Th- you know, there, there's, it's, it's, again, we got to really separate real life from this. You know, I have a rich friend group and close relationships outside of the challenge that are my close relationships. And there are people on the show that are nice people, but they're just not the kind of people that I, they're just not, we can't, we're not all going to be friends with everybody. That yeah. That's impossible. That's not, we're not all, it's not designed that way. And it's not going to be like, we walk in and like, we're all going to like get along, you know? And I think anybody who, you know, the older you get, you realize it's quality over quantity and the friend group kind of whittles down. So were we not on speaking terms? No. Were we best friends and they just made it like that? No, we were just two people who had a difference of opinion in, you know, and, and in something that was enough to, to make us quote unquote rivals, but like in the same way, Jordan and I were not exes. We made out one time, two times, whatevs. That's it. Mm-hmm. So whatevs. Um, going off the Jordan thing, exes two is one of my favorite seasons. Um, but going off of that, it kind of, was very focused on you, Bananas, and Wes as the political masterminds of the show. Um, Yeah. And then, so I want to know about, obviously, the big moment where you cut Bananas at the end. How long were you thinking about that? Did you know at the end, if you had the opportunity, you were going to do it? 
We no, I knew two seconds. I knew it's day by day. I knew I knew five minutes before. I, I knew as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, this is obviously what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I, the only thing I regret was my reaction afterwards and not standing uh, uh, firmly in that decision and not becoming emotional. You know, I think it's just the empath and like nurturer in me that, that often, you know, I have like the, the unevolved Sarah, it has often, it's like the self-sacrificer where I'll sacrifice my own emotions and feelings to make sure somebody else doesn't feel hurt or sad. And in that moment, I did not need to put Johnny's feelings or anybody else's feelings before my own. And I know I made the right decision. People can say whatever they want. I fucking won, which is the whole point. And if somebody's mad at me for competing for myself and what's best for my team on a show that's designed for that, uh, then I don't know, check your priorities and shit. Like, it's like, okay, whatevs. It's like yeah. so silly. Um, talking about reactions, Naya had a very strong reaction mm-hmm. and it was eventually taken off of the show. Um, back into the editing, we obviously saw exactly what happened, but I want to know like how long, how much do we not see of that whole, I don't even want to say argument, but the issue between- you No, know, it was a vibe that went on for a long time. And I think what happens when you're in that, that heightened emotional, like that environment that really like brings people to those heightened states of emotion, that people are searching for, you know, and when I work with clients, I, I will talk about this, you know, sometimes people who have anxiety disorders, they have, they're like genuine, gen, generally anxious people. Um, it's like your brain is carrying around all of this anxiety and is just looking for the nearest open box, an open basket, whatever, to dump it in. And, you know, some of the, the like, baskets maybe it's uh uh covid maybe it's uh uh um uh you know i'm scared of uh i'm a checker i'm scared my house is going to burn down so i have to like check all the knobs or anything like that it's not really the thing the bucket that we're putting it in that's the anxiety that that's causing the anxiety the anxiety is there we're just looking for a place to put it we're looking for a label because your brain wants to say Oh, this is why I feel that way. When you're on that show and you get to the point that we were at, like after I would say maybe like week six and you're just so isolated, you're so cut off, you're in it, you're, you're, you feel very judged and very, because people are going into interviews and they're talking about you. You are being judged. You are literally being voted off. Like that there's judgment throughout the whole thing. We can't help, but be, pushed to those it it feels like like a pressure cooker situation where it creates the environment and the situation creates emotions that are really uncomfortable and then the brain looks for a place to assign or like a person a situation to assign as the the blame or cause for these emotions because we want we're like why do i feel like this it must be you and so what happened, I feel like in that situation was there were so many layers and so many levels. And, you know, of course, how she responded was not correct in any way, but the, 
it's like a ticking time bomb. It's a pressure cooker. It's going to explode in some way. And we see it happen every single season. There's a different person who's the target. There's a different person who we're pointing fingers at maybe, but there was all, it, you, it follows, if you were to map this out, if you were to look at every single challenge and you were to, to, to um, like, you know, document, record when, certain fights happened when these big blowups happen you'll you will absolutely patterns will emerge 100 percent. and so i think this was the result of a lot of um just intense feelings and feelings of of wanting to be off the show you know everybody gets to this point and i can see it happen on the challenge where everybody breaks down and people will say that oh yeah this is the part of the challenge where people break down it's the it's what happened, what I, what I can see, and I've like said this on every show, I see this, uh, what they really want to say is, this is really hard. I'm really sad. I miss my family. I really want to sleep in my own bed. I just want, you know, some time to myself. I don't want to feel like I'm being watched all the time. And because nobody is self-aware enough or even able to say that, like identify that, you can't be, you can't have that kind of self-awareness in that situation. I mean, maybe you can, but it's difficult, it's challenging, that instead what happens is it comes out as fights. You know, we I, we see this, um, you know, in a similar way, maybe it's people who are listening, if you, uh, you know, when you were going off to college or if you were like going on a trip somewhere, did you get in a fight with your mom or dad the week before? Probably, because it's easier to get in that fight and not have to say, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I miss you so much. And then you can be angry at them. And anger is an easier, more manageable emotion for us than sadness and fear. Makes sense. And definitely makes yeah. sense. So um, I think it was the situation. And and that's why I think Jordan and I were able to, to patch things up and, and mend their relationship because they had the perspective and they had the awareness that this was the situation. I wish Johnny could have some of that awareness. Maybe he does, but not for my benefit, but for his own, you know, I think anybody, it, I think it's important, you know, I just want to be able to help the people who are on there talk about their feelings and talk about how like, and I think maybe also relieve them of some of the personal responsibility that they may be holding on to or self-blame and self-judgment and self-criticism for how they reacted in an environment that was designed to make them react like that. Yeah. Um, do you think, I don't even know if this would work and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know how, when they leave, I know they go to a hotel and they go out and they leave. Is there anybody to talk to besides interviews? Like a therapist there? Do you think that would, I asked for them and then they didn't even give me them. Do you think that would help? I mean, obviously the situation with, absolutely it would help. I think ethically Mm -hmm. they should, I think it is unethical and irresponsible morally and you know in many other ways irresponsible for them to not provide mandatory at least five to eight sessions of um therapy post challenge post any post any reality show a lot of shows do that the bachelor does that um the show alone has mental health care afterwards there are a lot of shows that do are, are recognizing that this is an important thing to do because we're really, you know, using people as chess pieces over here for our enjoyment. Going off of that, um, Total Madness was the bunker season. Um, that was, I think it was like two seasons ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And then once that season was done airing, we went right into lockdown. 
-hmm. And a lot of challengers came out and said they were struggling on their social medias with going from basically one lockdown with no windows mm -hmm. to another lockdown. I mean, they have windows in their house, but another lockdown in the sense. Yeah. Um, so just, can you just get your take on like that whole bunker and then COVID situation tied in together? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that it would, it would just, you know, kind of reinforce some of those feelings and, and, you know, that, like I had mentioned before, there's that period after you leave the show where there really is like, I bet if you asked, if you in, asked everyone on the show, you know, like you can give them a multiple choice question or open-ended, they probably all have the same answer. There is a, a one to three month period of depression that comes from being on the show, depression or isolation or uh, a low self-worth or feelings of like a lack of, of, of feeling disconnected from your identity or not feeling grounded, so to speak. And I think that that would only be exacerbated by, I mean, how could it not? You, you don't, during that time where maybe you're supposed to be like connecting to friends and it really is, um, it is the connection to other people and the connection to like normal people and the people who know you for you that I think helps um, people get through that stage, those, the, that one to three months. And so if you cut off the thing that is the, I don't know, solution or the thing that helps them cope, the coping strategy for that, then people are going to be in a really dark place mentally. They're going to struggle with their mental health. It is just how it is. And they need to have they need, there needs to be an unbiased outs because it feels like when, when there's the, you know, there is a psychiatrist that we, that we, um, we have to take uh, the MMPI, which is basically, which in my opinion, feels like more of a protection for the, the production company to say, we're not going to put anybody who's going to murder somebody on the show because the MMPI does not do anything to like assess somebody's, you know, mental like health. There's, there's no assessment of, are you, are, do you suffer from depression? No assessment of addiction, no asset. And the psychiatrist that they talked to, you know, I talked to him afterwards and I said, um, you know, can I talk to you? Cause this was before I was therapist and all this stuff. And he was like, well, I don't really do talk therapy, but you know, maybe you need a referral. And I'm like, fucking forget it. Cause I don't want to have to go to somebody and explain to them. You know, I hear this story of somebody who was on the show a long time ago. Um, one of Susie's friends, I can't remember who it was, but she went to a therapist and was telling them, you know, this is my experience. I, you know, I was, I did this thing and like cameras follow me around 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No joke. I shit you not. The therapist leans in and goes, do you see the cameras now? Like she was fucking hallucinating it or like making it up. Like these were like visual hallucinations that she was having and she was crazy. I tried in my own therapy, like I went to a therapist after um, coming back from Rivals 3 and I, I gave up because she couldn't understand, like to, to explain to somebody who was in their 50s, like first of all, what the challenge is, then the whole, I don't have the, I, I don't want to waste my session and my money on doing that. So I think it is so important to, for people who have been in that experience, who are struggling to be able to have someone or a resource to connect to or to talk to to help them transition and to help them just that knows the struggle 
that knows mm -hmm. what they went yeah. for real because it's not whether it's you know somebody who's just younger and maybe like knows about this it, i'm not saying it has to be me but i just think that there needs to be a a a at the very least a already heavily vetted set of resources and referrals to provide these people who have given so much of themselves to this show and they're just like, I mean, it really does feel like that when TJ, when, when, when the final's done, it is the most bizarre, like, I can't even begin to describe how weird it feels when the final is done and TJ announces who won. It's like in a split second, that third wall comes, that, that wall comes down between the cast and crew. The cameras go down. They're regular people. Nobody cares about what we're doing anymore. This TV show is over. And it's like, we're dead to them. Like, it feels like we're like, they're like, yeah, you know, whatever you need to do. Yeah, go ahead, get down that. And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. You were like, what do you need? Can I get you? Like, it feels so strange. You feel like, to me, it felt very like in a way like being used or it felt like like exp exp it felt like it was exploitative do you think that is reality tv in general or that was just the challenge that i don't know i've only had my experience on my show i couldn't tell you what it was like as soon as the camera stopped rolling on any other show i really couldn't i don't know interesting and do you think has there been any progress made from your time in 2008, 2009 to Rivals 3 in 2016, or it was kind of like the same routine every, every season? No, not once. Nobody ever once said, you know what? It seems like you were dealing with some really tough stuff there. Do you want us to like set you up with somebody to talk to? Nope. Yeah, wow, man. You know, like with what happened on Rivals 3, if there were ever somebody who maybe would need some therapy afterwards for like a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, reason number one being, like not that Johnny did that. I do not care about that. You can do that. To me, the biggest problem is the blatant cheating, the cheating that went on and the use of Adderall and that being looked over by the, and that, oh, you know, we're going to give him a little fine, but that played such a big part in what happened. And it felt very dismissive and it felt very like, like, again, like I was just used for their television show and there was no, um, like afterwards when that, that happened, like the crew wouldn't, didn't want to look at me. Nobody wanted to talk to me. I sat by myself and ate dinner alone, like the next breakfast, the next morning alone. Like the only person who was nice really was TJ. He was like understanding and he's like, man, I'm sorry what happened. And he was kind of cool about it. But besides that, it felt like I was like, you know, so know. nobody wanted to be around me. Following up on that, I've heard the story about the Adderall, but can you just elaborate more on the situation? Yeah. So it's very, there are very strict rules that say you can't have any substances that are not prescribed. And um, it, we, uh, one of the things that was the most significant, that, that was the, the kind of like the determiner between Johnny and, and me was, uh, and who was going to win, was this whole like stand on a log, uh, stay up as long as you can which is really easy to do if you're on Adderall. So we were uh, about to, we were just finishing. We had just got down the mountain and he was, and TJ was just about to announce like, you know, or uh, give them the option of like taking the money or, or, you know, whatever it was. And the, one of the um, uh, talent coordinators 
comes up and he, she has Johnny's jacket because we had to like take out, we took off our jackets because it was getting real hot. So we gave, you know, gave her a jacket and they went through his pockets and in the, his pocket, they found Adderall. They found, and they were like, what is this? And I guess he told them and um, they like had their little meeting to the side. I don't know what was decided. You know, I heard from uh, uh, the psychiatrist that they had determined that I was the least litigious out of me and Johnny. So we're going to just go with Johnny as winning because Sarah's the least likely to sue us if we change the, you know, and that was, I heard that information secondhand, but that is what I heard. And, um, and uh, you know, I, and then Johnny said later that evening, he said, yeah, I'm not an idiot. I, I'll take the $3,000 fine for 175 grand that I just won. And for him, and that's something he'd been doing on the show for a long time. He had offered it to me when we were on the show together. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, going off of that, I think I know your answer, but I'm still going to ask. Mm -hmm. Obviously, bananas is the face. I mean, that's kind of bananas CT. Uh, it was Cara. I'm hoping she comes back. But if it was another, let's start with female cast member with Adderall. How do you think it would have played out? And then I also want to ask if it was a male that wasn't bananas or CT, but like a, a Devin or a Nelson or like a solid cast member that's come back season after season he might have, yeah he might have they might have showed it in that way and showed what you know i think they maybe didn't want to ruin johnny's reputation or what he was and and then i think that really does pose the question if he has adderall on him this show don't you think that he had it every other show this isn't a one-off situation yeah. it's very well known by everybody on the cast that this is going on and this isn't, I, I mean, you can't even call this defamation of character because he was fined for it. This is like information that is out there. You know, the thing that makes me really upset and frustrated is that when I try to talk about this, you know, MTV and, and, and I, I think it was MTV at this time, but they spoke on my behalf to news outlets and they said, oh, Sarah's unavailable for interviews because she's busy with school. No, I was not. I wasn't. I, I can put a pause on my studying for an hour to talk about this. And so I felt very silenced in that situation. I felt like when I tried to talk about it at the after show, you know, it was all edited out. And so I stand in that as being the truth. It is what happened. This is, Devin has said so, you know, Devin has absolutely come to my defense and said, yes, that happened. The problem is the other person there was Johnny's cousin. And then like, like who's, what is there? They're not gonna say anything, and I don't know if Buna Murray is going to be. They're gonna be. Um, uh, you know, I definitely know that they've they've done things to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I think they really like got serious about you know people bringing stuff in and and having those kind of like performance enhancing substances, and um, because it really doesn't make it fair. You know, it's a it's a reality show. It's a game show, and somebody being able to use a, a performance enhancing drug to then win to me is, is, you know, not cool. And you kind of mentioned it, but when you brought it up to said production company or MTV, was it kind of like an automatic, like throw the conversation away? Did they try to like, I don't say kiss up to you, but kind of like shake their head yes to you and then just still do nothing or like, what was their whole, their. No, no, I don't. I don't really remember. I think at the time I didn't fight too hard because after I got the information about them, like really not, like they've already met, there was a meeting to discuss this. And I'm not, I'm like, 
one person, what am I going to do? I reached out and contacted somebody who was like a, uh, an attorney. The contract we signed says that at the end of the day, their decision is final. And so I, I don't have a leg to stand on. It's really just a moral and ethical thing. And like, you know, what was right and what wasn't right. And I, in my mind, don't believe that that was right. And I think it's, I'm not alone in that. Yeah, you're not definitely not alone. Um, so we've been running a little long. Thanks for staying long. Yeah, well, I'm a talker. So, you know, that's how it goes. Um, just one more question on the bananas thing. And then I have some viewers to send questions in for you. Okay, um, yeah. So the last question is just, if you were the winner of Rivals 3, would you have taken the money? No, um, I would have split for sure. And I know everybody says I wouldn't have. Anybody who really knows me in my real life knows I would have split that money. Mm -hmm. Money is, and that... It, you're gonna you're oh I have to plug my computer in hang on it's yelling at me that I need to plug it in um if anybody who knows me knows that that is not something that I am I am in every way the giver and the sharer and the one who's going to like give you the shirt off my back like I absolutely and you know he can I'm sure people think oh no definitely not 100% wholeheartedly, I would not be able, you're, you're talking to somebody who like, like, I can't kill a spider. I can't like, you know, I, I, I can't, well, there are so many examples of things that I do. I pick up litter. I can't like when it's not me, I am not the person who's going to screw somebody over or is going to like, I would much rather, I, like I said before, I'm like clinically to a fault a, a, you know, self abandoner in, you know, my lower form of self and would absolutely want somebody else's put somebody else's feelings before my own, even if it, it even if everybody else was like, Oh, my God, that's not fair. You should have gotten it. No, 100% could I will could say without any hesitation, I would have split that money. Great. I, I believe you would have split it too, to be honest with you, I thought. Um, so you. I have Oh, I have one more thing I want to ask really quick, yeah. um, just about the whole female to male thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I had Jenny, Jenny, the one winner of Total yes, Matter. Yes, yeah. I had on, I had her on. She's great. January. It was a couple months ago, but um, she talked about the new season double agents that CT just won, and how she was flown to location and made an alternate. Mm -hmm. And then. Amber, who just won last season, is not on this season. Now, in the trailer, she appears. So uh -huh. we're assuming, we're assuming she shows up eventually because she was in the trailer. But I do want to ask, just the last two female champions we had were not asked back. Now, obviously, Ashley's become a mainstay. Um, huge fan of Ashley. Um, they've also haven't asked Cara back in a couple seasons. So we've had three female- You're onto something there. We've had three female champions- who have not been asked back. Obviously, Amber was an alternate. Jenny was an alternate. Amber made it. Jenny did not. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think Cara is getting calls. So just mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the whole female champions really not being represented, asked back? The only one it is- It almost actually... feels like we like that you won, but don't win too much. Yeah. We don't want you to get to it too much. I mean, we, you know, Johnny can do it, but we don't want you to win a whole bunch. It, it now, you know, I've, I had not- really thought about that or been connected those dots before but now that you say that I can definitely see that you know and I think a lot of these things are happening and the, the editing process the this is why representation matters so much not just on the show mm -hmm. the cast or not the sorry the crew 
post and pre-production, like it is important that the people who are editing the shows ha um, have more than just a straight white male perspective, you know? And I think that, that maybe that plays into it a little bit. Makes sense, yeah. Um, so and I don't, what I was gonna say is I don't think it's, it's conscious. I don't think that these things are happening on a conscious level. I think it's more, I, I think it may be just us living in a patriarchal society that has positioned women in this certain way. We want women to be one way, we want men to be another way. It's like a whole system. We, there are so many factors and so many things to take into consideration, which is why I don't, I don't like, there's no blame. It's not like, oh my God, this is MTV. Oh, this is beautiful. Nope, this is, this is the environment. This is what has, has grown from this environment being nurtured and watered in these ways and this is the result and it's not anyone it's kind of saying like the flower is because of the dirt no it's because the dirt and the water and the sun and the soil and the, like a thousand different things and the bugs and the you know what other plants it's near there's a million things that go into that we can't just blame the dirt or the water or whatever yeah um i i agree it's it's just something i've noticed and i was like i yeah. love jenny i love amber I Amber is back. It looks like she gets in there somehow because she's in the trailer, but it's just something interesting I wanted your take on as a female challenger and a champion. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, it. it um, they definitely tried to invite me back a whole bunch afterwards, but, and it wasn't, you know, I want to also be clear that it wasn't because of, you know, what happened. You know, people are like, oh, there's all, all these rumors going around. Somehow I got blacklisted from there. I'm like, that is so funny because they call me for <laughs> all of them. And I very politely and, and, um, you know, what I thought was very polite. On the, the last go round, said, you know, thank you guys for your calls, but it really is, um, you know, I can't take a. I, 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 you don't make a lot of money on that challenge, like if you really think about it, and if you don't win, yeah. it's not a year's salary, and you're under contract for a year, so that doesn't make sense. And I can't leave my clients. It's client abandonment. It would be unethical for me to go on the shows just for my own. I have a full load of clients now that I see weekly. And so I couldn't do that. And um, yeah, I don't even remember what your question was or if this is relevant at all. I'm just talking now. Um, but. I had one more follow-up after that. And then I yeah. want to get to the viewer questions. Um, you said you got some calls after, are you still getting calls to come back or when did they stop? No, or? that was after I, when I told them like, look, this is, you know, they stopped, I think last challenge or something like that. But, and that was when I, you know, I told the same person who kept calling me, like really explained to them why. And I offered my services as a therapist. And I said, if you know anybody who is coming off the show and you feel like needs some support or needs some help, I, they're gonna keep doing their show. I am not here to say we should never have reality television. No, keep doing your thing. Just maybe provide a little bit of care. And, and I am not um, somebody to say like, oh, like I said, it's not, MTV's fault or you know Murray's fault or anything like this there's no fault this is just the situation as it is and I would like to be there with the experience that I have and the education and and knowledge that I have of of mental health and how to work with you know in that field to provide a unique type of support and I am you know, and I think there's this fear too of people who have been on the show or maybe because they've been so exploited and because so much of 
of their experience gets shared and there isn't that confidentiality, but there's this kind of hesitation of like, oh, will my information be confident it held in confidence and you know Sarah's got a podcast in which you never hear anything about anybody or anything because I am there's nothing that I value or honor or respect more than the confidentiality of my job and of the work and how how important that is to be that vault and to hold that information in the utmost like uh, uh, respect and 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 like like it's like sacred and and you don't ever you know it's like not only that, and I'd lose my license. So, you know, like, I think people have this hesitation to, to maybe reach out, but, you know, I hope that that changes or that the, the, um, you know, it starts getting out there that, that I can be of help and have been to people. Yeah, I think that's a good way to end. I just have the two viewer questions that I um, want to get. So the first one is, who in the newer generation of Big Brother, UK, Survivor, all the different shows would you want to work with if you were on the show or if they were back in the day on the show with you? Who would you like yeah. as a character to, or a person to work with? Bad at knowing these new people. Um, I would want to work with, uh, oh, you know who I really like? Uh, Devon. Devon from Big Brother? I, well, I did an event with her, Devon, yes. And she is a gem. I really like, just love her. She was great. I think she would be really great to work with on there. And she's smart and she's like, yeah, she would, I think I, definitely her. I love and probably her. Amber B too, because I think she would let me be the alpha female. Yeah. I love, I love both of those that you just said. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think Devon said she's done with the challenges now, which yeah. kind of makes me sad, but I still was a huge fan of her. Yeah, huge fan first. Um, and then the next, the last fan question I had, viewer question is, they want to know what was your favorite challenge season you did and your least favorite challenge season you did? Mm -hmm. My, okay. My favorite season was definitely Norway. The one that, you know, of Rivals 3, where I won in Norway. But it's funny because the things that are my favorite are often not the challenge themselves. It's more like the location and what, you know, like what it was like afterwards, you know, of course I, I was like riding that high from winning, you know, um, after uh, uh, that is challenge it, in Norway, but I feel like- You mean X's two or Rivals three? Rivals, Rivals, no, sorry, X's. X's yeah, you said, you said Rivals three. Thank yeah, you. That's what I meant. I definitely meant X's, X's two. The one where Jordan and I won, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think I just loved being in Norway and being like, I felt very connected to that place. And, and I liked, I liked that challenge a lot for the location and where we were. Um, my least favorite, you know, I got to say my least favorite was cutthroat because it, I felt a darkness in that house. There wasn't a lot of like days off where I, I don't even think we like, I don't even remember what I could not tell you like what, Oh, I guess we went to that weird, like, beer garden kind of thing where it was like Carmaria was like put in a cage and it was like weird shit happened like one of those kind of like um medieval times sort of things but like a restaurant and um it there was just like a darkness in that house where it felt like like the energy there wasn't good mm -hmm. so sense. that and I think maybe even the cast and crew would agree with that that we were like this place I, I'm, I'm like this place is haunted and at the very least there's some 
the echoes of sad and 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 like awful things from the past. The house we lived in was like a a brothel during like World War II, and like there would be little and and just I felt that I felt yeah. that like I think other cast members have came out and said the house was a little was just a little weird, dark yeah. and oh okay, goosebumps thinking about it right now. So that one not fun for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to say thanks again for coming on. Yes, thank you so much for your great questions and for listening to me blab for so long and being so patient with my, uh, uh, you know, standing on a soapbox and preaching about mental health and reality television. I want to give you time, anything that, any last words where people can find you, anything you want to shout out, just anything you want to say. That yeah, end. you know, um, if you like challenge content, then you should definitely check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash brain candy. That's where we have all of our interviews where we really dive into like mental health and things like that with people who have been on a bunch of different reality shows. And um, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can check out the braincandypodcast.com or Brain Candy Podcast wherever you stream uh, your podcast because we're on pretty much everything. And uh, my Instagram, which is pretty much all I use these days, a little bit of TikTok, is I'm Sarah Rice. And you can follow me on there. Perfect. Um, I want to say thanks again. And I think that's all I have. Thanks again for doing awesome. this. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. That was the episode with Sarah Rice. I hope you all enjoyed it. You can find me on social media at the Dylan Deckard. And you can find her on social media at I'm Sarah Rice. Thank you.